you recall, in Fiddler on the Roof, when Teddy and the Milkman was asked why certain things are done, his standard response was, it's tradition. And if, uh, if you are someone who is very traditional, uh, you will find some things in our service that are traditional, and then some other things that are most assuredly non-traditional. Part of uh, what you may have heard and absorbed from Jewish tradition is the notion that there are two types of inclination, one being the evil inclination, Yetzer Hara, and the other one is the good inclination, Yetzer Hatov. Um, and so part of the process during the 10 days of awe between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is that a traditional person, traditional Jewish person is expected or encouraged to engage in a marathon of self-examination and self-reformation. And if you are somewhat like me, um, you would realize after a while that self-reformation uh, leaves you in complete and utter frustration because you realize that to some, some extent most of us, I should say all of us, have been sautéed in sin and um, the notion of self-reformation is something that we can try for a while and uh, give a burst of good deeds and then very quickly uh, feel like uh, we're falling off the wagon. Psalm 51, which is one of the traditional songs, or psalms rather, that is being recited during this time of year, um, King David makes no pretense at all that he's capable of bringing about self-reformation. Um, in fact, in, in Psalm 51, he uses three words that describe sin. One, chet, which gives you the notion of missing the mark. If the bullseye is here, then each of us shoots the arrow um, way over here, about a mile, hitting the barn, but not, not the bullseye. Avon conveys the sense of pervert, uh, perversion, that if God puts out a path before us, that our inclination is to go this way. Human nature. And Pesha is the out-and-out -out sense of rebellion. David says, that he, like the rest of us, are guilty of all three types, and actually there are more than that. Um, and if you're familiar with the background to Psalm 51, you'll understand just how deeply King David felt the sense of sin 
and because he realized how how far he had fallen off God's wagon, as it were. Uh, you're familiar with the sin of Bathsheba, where David committed adultery, where he took advantage of a married woman, where he lied, where he murdered um, Uriah, who was a uh, a Gentile, uh, an alien who was supposed to be treated. And according to the rabbis, David, the worst sin that David committed was that he profaned the name of God, which which means that he made, basically, uh, what that means is that he made God's reputation uh, to be, um, to, to come into the sewer. And um, so it's not surprising that David, in Psalm 51, realizes just how um, severe he is off the mark. Um, we often don't don't think of uh, David as a man of the Torah, the man of the law of God, uh, because we think of him as uh, as sitting and strumming his uh, guitar and composing songs that ended up being part of the temple liturgy. Um, what we need to realize is that David was. Um, grew up with the Torah and he knew that committing adultery and abusing a, um, a Gentile an alien both of those were considered to be deadly sins and so he realized the fact that God had every reason in the book so to speak to kill him David also realized that he had really no ability to change himself. And that's a real tough one uh, because we, like David, like the rest of us, like to think that we have the capability to bring about self-reformation. Uh, so you can understand why David, when Psalm 51 was written, uh, could have considered life to be very grim and uh, might have been full of despair. But yet the picture that we have here is not one of despair. We, in fact, we see a totally different perspective here in Psalm 51. If you haven't read, if you haven't read it, I'd like to encourage you to, uh, to read Psalm 51. But what, what we see here is that David has an unshakable confidence in God and he's had unshakable confidence in God since he was a teenager. Because God had shown himself to be faithful to David in all kinds of circumstances. And this took place over decades. Um, David also was steeped in the teaching of the Torah. And he had learned what God had revealed himself in places such as Exodus 34, which if you recall, this was the situation where God took Moses and tucked him behind a rock and zipped in front of him and revealed his characteristics, uh, his attributes. And um, God passed in front of him, saying, The Lord, the Lord, a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. 
This is, by the way, uh, a passage that is repeated in, in, the, in the Tanakh and the Old Testament over and over and over and over again. And it's certainly the case in Psalm 51 where David starts out by saying, God, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love, chesed, according to your great compassion. If you recall, those are three main characteristics of God. If you were here on Rosh Hashanah, I mentioned the fact that we often have this uh, awful perspective of who God is. We usually consider Him to be uh, an angry God that if you step over the mark, uh, He will He will nuke you. And uh, totally opposite of what we find in Scripture, particularly here um, in Psalm 51. And David is convinced of the fact that God is able to take and clean him up, clean up the pockets of yuck. Um, Psalm 51 verses 1 and, and 2, and then going on to 7 and 9, he goes on to say, Blot out my transgression, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from, from sin. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. I will be whiter. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. Despite the fact that David committed these, what we would consider disgusting sins, although scripturally a sin is a sin, these were particularly heinous uh, sins. David has a basic conviction of the fact that God is able to take and clean out the pockets of Yuck. And not only that, he has a basic expectation that God can bring about a change in his emotional and spiritual DNA. In the same chapter, further down, he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. The word that David uses for create, bara, means to create something out of nothing. And David is convinced of the fact that God can take and work miraculously in him to bring about transformation so that he is willing and able to follow God's ways. Not only that, he is also confident of the fact that God is able to give him a willing spirit. When you think about it, much of the time, we follow God's principles, God's commandments, because we feel we have no choice. And sometimes we do it grudgingly. And if you're a parent, you can understand that that's not something you want to see from your kids. Yes, you want them to obey. However, you hope at some point that they will obey you because they really want to, to do so and because they understand that's good for them. David is actually saying that, God, I really want to do that. I want to have a willing and a 
steadfast spirit. I don't have what it takes. Would you please put that in me? And God answered his prayer. Much of the time we have this stereotype of, of David that once he committed the sin with Bathsheba, that that was the end of his life. That he really had nothing special uh, to commend for himself from that point on. What you may or may not realize is that some of David's greatest contribution came about after the sin of Bathsheba. Yes, David paid horrendously for the sins that he had committed. But that was not the end of his life. That is not what defined his life. In First Chronicles we find that David, not Solomon, David, did the basic foundational work for the construction of the temple. He did the architectural plans. He collected... Uh, zillions of gold and silver so that when Solomon came on, on the scene he was prepared because his father had, had gone before him. And also some of the songs that David wrote after the sin of Bathsheba give you a fairly clear indication that he and God were in a good place that he really knew and understood the fact that God had forgiven him, God had cleansed him, and he was secure in that. So, I for one am grateful that Scripture does not airbrush the sins of the men and women of God. In fact, I'm grateful that we see warts and all in Scripture of the men and women of God. However, we don't park there because we have the, the expectation and the confidence, just like David did, that God is able not only to cleanse us, but He is also able to bring about transformation in us so that we have a desire to walk in the ways that He's prepared and we also are able to do so. Yes, we are confronted like David but very unpleasant reality. The fact that we have pockets of yuck. Sometimes we feel like the sin in us is a lot deeper. But we don't park there. We don't feel that in order for us to deal with it, we have to try harder. It's a lost cause. Instead, we come to the only one who can really deal with sin decisively who can clean us up, who can do a DNA change, and as a result, he can also work through us to impact the life of other people who are struggling and have absolutely no clue, no confidence that God is able to bring about transformation. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God. We bless you. For who you are, thank you, Lord God, that you know us intimately, you love us, and you're able to bring about transformation. I pray for each one of us 
to come to that reality more fully, more vividly today. We pray that you reveal yourself to us. We ask this in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. Let's continue with the rest of the service. Please turn to the Shema. And would you please stand? Yeah. 
And so for that reason, um, we did not recite the Kol Nidre vow or the Kol Nidre prayer. Uh, nonetheless, it's traditional uh, to call this uh, service Kol Nidre and um, would like to ask that you continue then the rest of the service. Psalm 51.
Our Messiah said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Our Messiah said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Our Messiah said, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Our Messiah said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Turning away from your good precepts and laws has not profited us. You are just in all that has come upon us. You have dealt truthfully, but we have acted wickedly. You know the mysteries of the universe and the dark secrets of every living soul. You search all the inmost chambers of man's conscience. Nothing escapes you. Nothing is hidden from your sight. Now may it be your will, Lord our God and God of our fathers, to forgive all our sins and to pardon all our iniquities. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit upon you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees, impel you to carefully follow my laws. you, Adonai. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the sound of my supplications. If you, Adonai, kept a record of iniquities, my Lord, who could stand? For with you there is forgiveness, so you may be revered. I wait for Adonai, my soul waits, and and in his word I hope. My soul waits for my Lord, more than watchmen for the morning, watchmen for the morning. O Israel, wait for Adonai. For with Adonai there is loving kindness, and with him is full redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our pains, yet we esteemed him stricken, struck by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement of our shalom was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. 
Each of us turned to his own way. So Adonai had laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep before shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Because of oppression and judgment, he has taken away. As for his generation, who considered? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. The stroke was theirs. His grave was given with the wicked and by a rich man in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. ברוך אתה אדוני אלוהינו מלך העולם אשר נתן לנו את דרך הישוע וישוע משיחנו. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has granted us the way of salvation through Yeshua our Messiah. How easy it is to become complacent, to become indifferent to the Lord's demands for holiness in our lives. Let us allow the Lord's probing light to shine. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way Repentance must become part of our lifestyle so that we can fulfill our Messiah's instructions. And we continue in the middle of page 8. Please put this uh, maybe see light as well. On this day, Yom Kippur, as we make a commitment to follow the Lord's call to holy living, we need to remember His larger plan for the spiritual restoration of Israel and of all mankind. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 tells us, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Amen. Amen. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Zechariah 12.10 tells us, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. Please rise. So if you don't allow, if you know, you can join along in the Hebrew, and if not, we'll read together the translation afterwards in English. Adonola <laughs> 
Amen. Amen. 